All right, 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23. Let's stand. We're going to read the whole thing, just six verses. Beautiful. This is the best known poem in the world. And it is good stuff. We're going to learn about the valley of the shadow of death and the rod and the staff that comfort us. Let's read it together, can we? Are you ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're going to look at this wonderful fourth verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now I want to point out a couple of things about the first half of verse 4, and then I want to really pull in tight on the rod and the staff that David mentions. We're talking about the Lord being my shepherd. How many of you can say he's your shepherd? There's a possessive here. He's saying he's my shepherd. Some people know about a shepherd. Some people can say, yeah, I've heard that he's a shepherd. But you know what? There comes a time in your walk with God where you say he's my shepherd. I hear him. I feel him saying that in pride. He's proud of his shepherd. You know, we ought not say, I believe in Jesus. And you know how we hide him these days. And I'm amazed at how even TV preachers hide him. And hide just the basic truths of the Bible. David is a proud witness. He's not saying, oh yeah, he's my shepherd. Praise the Lord. Could be Muhammad, could be Buddha, could be whoever. No, he said, Jehovah is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. And there is a pride there. You know, we ought to be able to say to people, Jesus is my shepherd. He takes good care of me. He's my shepherd. I want to just try this out before I go any further. So let's try it. I want us to say it with pride, like we're witnessing to somebody, because this is about to become one of the most witnessing churches in Fort Worth. It is. So I want you to say with me, the Lord is my shepherd. Ready? One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. Now let's put Jesus in place of the Lord. Ready? Jesus is my shepherd. Now if you just told somebody that that way, you're liable to get them to church or get them saved. So David begins, he's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. Now, of course, as we've already mentioned in this series, David was a shepherd when Samuel called him out of the field after going through all of his brothers, thinking that these tall, good-looking guys were going to be the next king. None of them brought a witness to Samuel's heart. He said, no, no, is there any other son? Well, i got one in the field. He's way out there. He's the youngest. He's the no count. Surely you don't mean David. He was about 17. He said, go get him. As soon as he walked in, the Spirit of God rose up in Samuel and said, that right there is the next king of Israel. Pulled him out of shepherding a flock 
to shepherd God's flock. David was well aware of the life of the shepherd. So he is coming from the perspective of a real shepherd. So when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, there was a moment where David, in his walk with God, as he was shepherding sheep, all the ins and outs and ups and downs and all the different trials and tribulations and difficulties and irritations that went with shepherding, he finally looked up and said, you know what, what I'm doing with these sheep is exactly what God does with me. And so he's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I'm their shepherd, but he's my shepherd. Now in the Middle East, young shepherd boys would go into the brush and they would select a young sapling and they would carve and whittle it into a rod. And that's exactly how they got the rod they used to shepherd sheep. Now, as David is moving in and talking about the rod and the staff, I think it's interesting that he mentioned a place called the Valley of the Shadow. Now, I think the Valley of the Shadow of Death can be several things. Let me just name a couple of them to you. I think the Valley of the Shadow, I want you to stop and think a minute. There is no shadow unless light is shining. Now, David said, in the Valley of the Shadow of Death, I think he could have been alluding right there to being so attacked by an enemy that you are in danger of death. So much so that it casts its shadow. It's close enough, it's near enough, that it casts its shadow. But you know, folks, if something is casting a shadow, that means a light is shining above it. And do you know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came for the express purpose of defeating death. That's why he came. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that death is the single greatest enemy of mankind. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that men and women live their whole lives long in dread fear of death. If you don't know God, if you don't know Christ, if you have no hope that there is a Savior to escort you into a place called heaven when you die, if all you have is you and the specter of death. Do you know how terrifying that is? Do you know what a horror that is? I am convinced that this is the reason people drink themselves to death, dope themselves to death, live their lives in sensuality and escapism, because they have this constant shadow chasing them, the shadow of death. Jesus Christ looked Mary and Martha in the eye and said, I want you to understand something. I am the resurrection and the life. And so, though somebody dies who believes in me, yet shall he live. I came to defeat the greatest enemy of mankind. Death. Death. So when Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says he was the first fruits of the resurrection. That as he rose from the dead, so will we. So that Paul comes along and says, death, where is your stinger? Grave, where is your victory? Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, no one else in all the history of the world came to eradicate, to defeat, to totally nullify death, but Jesus Christ. Muhammad didn't come to take away death. Buddha didn't come to take away death. None of them came to destroy this terrible, dread enemy. This week I was ministering to a lady. She's about to be with Jesus. As I was praying with her and talking to her, it just struck me as I looked at her in her physical 
losing the battle with cancer, I knew that this was not God's original plan. He never intended for us to look into a wooden box at a loved one, at a lifeless body, forever taken. That was never God's plan. But when man sinned, the single greatest, worst thing that happened was death came into the human race. Death invaded the human race. Folks, we've got to understand something. We would never have died had they not fallen into sin. Sin brought death to the whole human race. Sin brought death. And so when God sent His only begotten Son, His message to us is, though your body dies, yet it shall be resurrected. I came to defeat death. And I've defeated death. And so if you want to know the crux of the reasons that Christ came, it was to defeat the enemy of death. So David said, I'm in the valley of that shadow that frightens and terrifies and terrorizes so many people. I, because he's my shepherd, will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now when David mentioned the rod and mentioned the staff, he had something very clear in mind. So again, let me just say, in the Middle East, young shepherd boys would go into the brush, select a young sapling, and they would carve and whittle it into a rod. The larger base of the sapling, where the trunk joins the roots, is shaped into a smooth, rounded head of hard wood. So in shepherding, the rod becomes a literal extension of the shepherd's arm. That long rod, that blunt, hard, rough end, he would hurl it at sheep. They had a use, and it was an extension of the shepherd's arm. He learned to throw it with accuracy that would amaze you. I've read stories about how accurate they were in hurling this rod at straying sheep. And they were incredibly accurate. They would throw it with accuracy and speed. Now, please understand, when David said, your rod comforts me, the rod represents the authority and the power of the shepherd. The authority and the power of the shepherd. The best illustration is Moses. God chose Moses' rod to reveal his miraculous power. He said to Moses, what is that in your hand? He said, it's a rod. He said, throw it to the ground. And he began to teach Moses that he was going to manifest his power and his authority through that wooden stick called the rod. And he had been a shepherd as well. It was the rod he stretched over the sea, and it parted. And a sea of impossibility became a sea of glory. It was the rod by which he sent plagues. He extended the rod over Egypt, and plague after plague after plague fell on the enemies of God. It was the rod that brought water out of the rock. When he struck the rock with the rod, water gushed out. It was the authority and the power of God manifested in the rod. It is the rod that expresses the intent of God the will of God, His mind, His purposes, His deliverance, and His authority. So, David says, your rod comforts me. So the rod we see pictured in the Old Testament is a picture of God's Word. Hold your Bible up just for a second, would you? When you're facing a trial in your life where the enemy is coming against you, you're facing a sea of impossibility. I want you to see something. What does God say? He says, hold out the rod. Because it is by the power of the Word that God moves in our lives. 
gods. Amen? So when David talks about the rod, that's an Old Testament picture of a New Testament truth. The Word of God becomes the rod, God's rod in our lives. All that the rod did in the Old Testament, the Word of God accomplishes for us in the New Testament. Through the Word, our enemy is dealt with. Didn't Jesus say, it is written? What was Jesus doing? The rod. It is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It was with the Word that he defeated the devil. Let me tell you something, folks. You can't debate with the devil. You can't argue with him. You can't out-talk him. You can't outpower him. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And there is only one way you defeat the devil, and that is with the rod. The Word of God becomes the rod. Through the Word, the enemy is dealt with. Through the Word, we understand God's purposes. Through the Word, God's authority is manifested. Through the words, miracles are accomplished. Through the Word, we are comforted. Thy rod comforts me. David understood that that rod was a picture of the authority of God. Now, not only did the rod express the shepherd's authority, it also was used for discipline. It was used for discipline. When a sheep would wander away toward poisonous weeds, which they would eat any old time. They'll eat anything. They would eat poisonous weeds. If he saw them wandering toward poisonous weeds or getting too close to danger, suddenly that sheep would be aware of a whistling noise. And if he could, had the power to turn around and look and see what was coming, he would see that rod whistling through the air straight towards him, and it would smack him hard. And that was the shepherd's way of saying, Stop it. He used the rod. Now so with us. Just try wandering towards poisonous weeds. Try wandering into sin once you've seen the light. And see if within you the word does not rise up and you don't hear a whistling. As the shepherd, and that's why it's so good to know the word of God. David said, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why is it good to hide the word in your heart? Because it goes into a file. And the minute that you begin to go astray in any direction, how many of you know we stray easy? Come on, the rest of you pull your hails off your head. You know we stray easily. If God lifted his hand for a week, we'd all be in trouble. Because we stray easily. We stray. We're straying. Because we are what? Sheep. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep. You say, I'm not a sheep. Well, God called you a sheep, so you've got a real issue with the Word. Because He said, all we like sheep, like sheep, have gone astray. There He's just sharing the nature of a sheep. Sheep go astray. And because our nature is a sheep nature, and we so easily go astray, the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Because we had to have atonement. We had to have forgiveness. We had to be washed of our sins. We were never going to live up to God's ideal and God's commandments. And so God sent Jesus to take our iniquity because we are like sheep and we go astray. And so the Word gets into our heart and the minute we begin to stray, that rod comforts us because it says, all of a sudden, whack! It is written, you shall not this, you shall not that. You know the Word. And if you ignore the Word, whack a little bit harder. And if you ignore that, 
God has a way of getting your attention. Let me give you a little hint. Don't make God mad. Does he really get mad, Pastor Jeff? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Don't make him mad. Let me tell you what maturity is. Maturity is you reach a point where you don't like God's woodshed. No, no, no. God's woodshed is no fun. And it's real. And he'll whoop you within an inch of your life. If you stray and ignore him. If you're his child, and you reach a point of foolishness where you say, he doesn't see me. He doesn't see this. And besides, I'm not going to be uptight and religious that way. I'm going to do what I want to do and go where I want to go. Let me tell you something. God will talk to you in a whisper. Then he'll talk to you normal. And if you don't listen, he'll shout to you through pain. What kind of pain? Oh, take your pick. It'll be the kind of pain that particularly gets your attention. But he'll get it. That rod will come whistling through the air, and it comes in the form of his word. He'll discipline you with the rod. And you know what? I've got to be honest with you. I get with God every morning. I've been spending long times in the word in the mornings. It's been so rich. But there's not a time I'm in it, not a time, that something I read doesn't discipline me. Now, I'd rather take it now in the whisper than take it later in the shout. So I say, Lord, this is my prayer every morning. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your word. And I just start reading. Oh, you know, like this morning, I had a great time in the word. Very little really disciplined me, but every once in a while I run across something, boom, and I just felt that rod. Jeff, realign, realign, realign. Pull in here. Get a little straighter here. Hear me on this one. And that's why you got to stay in it and stay in it. Because left to yourself, you will stray. You'll stray. Our culture is so infested with demonic teaching, demonic suggestions, demonic impulses that hit against your mind and against your heart. If you're not in that word and letting it discipline you, welcoming the discipline, welcome it, then that cultural, demonic teaching and thinking is going to get you. Well, I'm a child of God. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It'll still get you. If you're not washing your mind in the Word, it'll get you. It'll seduce you. It'll convince you that it's right and that the Word of God is wrong. Before you know it, you're strained. And then God's got to come with stronger methods. So the best method, the wisest thing, is stay in that Word every day. And let it discipline you. It'll do it every day. Welcome it. Thank you, Father. Because if you hadn't told me that, I'd have strayed there. I wouldn't have meant to. I would have maybe have not even known I was doing it. But I would have done it anyway. And how many of you know, if you jump off a building, whether or not you knew you did it, you still go splat. <laughs> God gave his word, and he expects us to know it. Amen? Well... Don't shout me down now. The rod of God will rise up within you and lovingly strike you to drive you from danger, to get you away from danger. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to your word. Now the third thing that the rod does, it's used to examine and count the sheep. That's what a real shepherd does. He examines and counts the sheep with the rod. 
This was called passing under the rod. This is what is called in real shepherd lingo, passing under the rod. Uh, at the end of every season, or at particular times in the life of a shepherd, he'll gather all the sheep and move them into a corral. As he moved them into a corral in the Old Testament days, and I'm sure the New Testament days, he would be standing there with the rod. Not the staff, we're getting to that in just a minute, but the rod. And those sheep would walk up, and before he let them through the gate, he'd lower the rod. And the sheep would have to stop. Now once he lowered that rod, and the sheep were stopped, he would use that rod to investigate the fur. And he would search them for disease, for injury, for thorns, for anything that could hurt that sheep. The rod investigated that sheep. And he would not let him into the corral. He would not let him go past him without an inspection. Now David said, the Lord is my shepherd. So he knew in mentioning the rod, he had this in his mind. That there are times. Now, what happens when you open up the Word and you read it every day? What do you think God is doing? He's lowering the rod. And that Word searches through your life for disease, injury, thorns, stickers, burrs, anything that could bring damage to you. How many times have you been reading the Word and the Word touched an area in your life that needed to be healed or something needed to be taken care of and the Word pointed that out? The Word is like an x-ray machine. The Word of God, Hebrews says, is quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces through the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, you see that inspection? It divides between the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and it reveals, the Word reveals the thoughts and the motivations that are hidden in the heart. You're reading that Word, and the rod is lowered. And the shepherd, our shepherd, my shepherd, he starts moving through your life. Look what you picked up here. Look what happened to you there. Oh my, we got to take care of this. Let me get this burr out of that fur. Let me remove these stickers before they cause an infection. Are you aware of this little sin here, this tendency to gossip, to slander, to have pride, to go where you shouldn't go, think what you shouldn't think? These things come under the searchlight of the Word of God, which is the rod. And what he's doing is, every time you open up that word and go through it, you're passing under the rod. Isn't that good stuff? I mean, I love it. I mean, hey, I need it every day. I don't want stickers getting all tangled up in there and causing an infection in my spiritual life and bringing me greater pain down the road. Let me tell you something. The best time to deal with something is today. There is power in today. There is blessing in today. There is wisdom in dealing with things today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get your life right. Today is the day to allow God to discipline you and inspect you and cleanse you and get you right in His sight today. So, when Pastor Jeff gets out there on the porch every morning... I open up this word and I say, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And I submit myself to that word. It's the picture of I'm just submitting myself to the rod that is lowered. And I'm allowing the Holy Ghost through the word to search me out. And there's always something that comes to light. 
You're being proud there. You're being presumptuous there. You got some bitterness there. You got some anger there. You haven't paid enough attention to Kathy yet today. I'm serious, guys. I mean, come on. You, you put yourself under this word, it's passing under the rod. How clean and how right do you want to be? Because you can be as clean and as right as you want to be. If it really means something to you, then pass under that rod every day. Every day. Pass under it. Good stuff. Did you know that wool in Scripture speaks of the self-life, self-will, self-assertion, self-pride? The Word of God cuts through all of those things and reaches down where we truly live, and it fixes us. And if you submit to it, you are wise. If you submit to it, not just hear it, but say, yes, sir. Oh, I'll let you get that sticker out. You better believe I'll let that come under the light. You better believe it. Keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with people. Stay in the light. Keep everything in the light. Finally, the rod was a weapon of protection from enemies. The shepherd would use the rod to beat the brush to drive out snakes, predators, and would use it to strike attacking animals. That's what they would use the rod for, attacking animals. So the rod is used today by our great shepherd to drive from us the serpent, the devil. So I mean, folks, here's the rod. Thy rod comforts me. Amen? It comforts me. Now, a quick word on the staff, and we'll close. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. As the Word of God is a picture of the rod, the Spirit of God is pictured in the staff. The shepherd uses the staff to draw the sheep together. It's exactly what he uses. That crooked staff, you know, we all have the picture of somebody singing on stage and they can't carry a tune. Suddenly this staff or this shepherd's crook appears, grabs him by the neck and pulls him out. That's a staff. The shepherd uses the staff to draw the sheep together. He picks the young sheep up and places them with their mothers. The staff has a whole lot to do with placement. With the staff, the Holy Ghost within us, the Holy Ghost moving, has a lot to do with placing us where He wants us. That's why I believe you don't just join the church of your choice, you join the church of His choice. You don't run with people you choose, you run with people He chooses for you. I mean, there's all kinds of things. But the staff was used to place the sheep. And the staff was used to guide the sheep. The shepherd would use the staff to gently direct the sheep into a new path or along dangerous, difficult routes. He wasn't rough with it. The long, slender end is laid gently on the animal's side and he pressures lightly that animal to move just a little bit here or there, to the right or the left, forward or to stop. He uses the staff to do that. And you know, folks, I've learned something. Wisdom says... When you sense the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit, turn, turn. Don't make him have to do like those people on the stage. Hey, be ye not as the horse or as the mule who have no understanding, who must be held with bit and bridle or they will not come near you, David the psalmist said. So those sheep knew the staff and the shepherd well enough that a little pressure from the staff and they obeyed. They obey. So he didn't have to be rough with it. The Spirit of God gently guides us. John 16, 13, Jesus said, The Spirit comes, 
He is coming, and he will lead and guide you into all truth. So when you sense that little nudge, turn left, turn right, stop, go forward, get out, get in, whatever. Obey. That's the staff. Staff is used to deliver a sheep from danger. Philip Keller, a real shepherd, wrote, I have seen my own sheep, greedy for one more mouthful of grass, climb down steep cliffs where they slipped and fell into the sea. Only my long shepherd's staff could lift them out of the water back on the solid ground again. And that's how he uses the staff. He removes us from danger. Sometimes we get into situations out of our own stubbornness, don't we? We see a little patch of grass down there. Well, yeah, I've got to go down a dangerous cliff to get it, and it's risky. But hey, you live once. Yeah, it might be quicker than you thought. So I think I'm just going to, and the shepherd says, no, 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 and you do it anyway. So he's got to come with his staff and pull you out of a situation your stubbornness got you into. Now let me tell you something. There is no misery, no misery, like the misery of a grieved Holy Spirit within you when he is saying to you, come on. And he has to reach down and extract you from something your own stubborn self-will got you in. There's no misery like it when he takes away his peace, when you can't sleep, when you're fighting God. No misery like it. Let a million devils attack me. I'd rather have a million devils attack me than have God against me. Because you know what? I got a chance against them. I have no chance against God. He's going to win every time. Thy rod and thy staff, your word and your spirit, they comfort me, even when I'm looking at the specter of death. I know you're going to deliver me. I put my confidence and my faith in your presence as manifested in the Word and in the Holy Spirit. Can you say with me, His rod and His staff, His Word and His Spirit, they comfort me. Can we just worship Him? Lord, we just thank You for the Word. Thank You, Lord, for that so necessary passing under the rod and allowing our shepherd to inspect our lives daily. Thank You, Lord God, for the searchlight of the Holy Spirit that keeps us right, keeps us in the light. We thank You, Lord God, that Though we sprout wings like a dove and fly the uttermost parts of the earth, even there, your spirit, your staff, will find us. We thank you right now, Lord, that as your children, we can say, your word and your spirit, they comfort me.